Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at a few different scriptures as we uh, finish off the series on Yahweh. And today we're looking at Yahweh Counselor, Isaiah chapter 9. Now you will notice um, I don't have PowerPoints um, like I think everybody else in the team actually puts PowerPoints up, don't they? I don't uh, because I want you to bring your Bible. Um, There's Bibles up the back behind the sound desk if you don't have a Bible. Um, Bring your Bible, read your Bible. Um, And I was thinking about the seven, I love the seven, such, you know, holy biblical number that got baptised. The seven that got baptised. My encouragement to you and to the entire house as followers of Jesus, read your Bible every day, pray every day, and and tithe. Three, like two, especially pray every day, read your Bible every day. They're basic things that across the church we don't get right, we don't do. Um, and we see it time and time again. I hate statistics that point out the negativities of church, but at the moment we are not reading our Bibles on a regular basis. Um, if we read our Bibles every day, if we prayed every day, if we actually went into the secret place and spent time with the Lord, we would change not only ourselves, not only this church, but we would change the world. So that is my encouragement. That's free. You're welcome. Isaiah chapter 9. It will get better from here, I'm sure. Um, This is a a verse that we, well, if you've been a part of the church for any length of the time, you probably know this one, um, a popular popular prophecy about the coming of um, the Christ child. Isaiah 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders... And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love this verse because it is all about God, who He is and what He is going, what He's doing and what He's going to do. It's, it is all about Him. And any time that you hear people talking about, oh, the church is in decline, the church is dying, the church is historical, the church is a waste of time, mm, nope, it's not because it's a kingdom of increase because he is the everlasting father, because he is the prince of peace, and because the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And it might look like things are on the decline, it might look like things are getting worse, but he is forever. He's not getting old, he's not getting tired, he's not getting slow, he's not losing out, he's not in doubt, he's not worried. Our God is the God of forever. He is the eternal one. And he is the God of increase. We, grow, we go from glory to glory. We, as followers, are continually being transformed into His likeness. We don't go backwards. We don't waste away. We move forward. We grow up in His kingdom. 
It is a kingdom of increase that will not ever go in decline. It might look like it in the physical. If people stop showing up, maybe so. But his kingdom, his government is one of increase. So we join with him. We actually say, Lord, we want to join with you as the God of increase, as the head of the government of peace, the head of the government that will never end, the head of the government that will not be in decline. We join with you to get your picture on reality rather than submitting to our picture of reality. Does that make sense? Like it's really easy to kind of get worried and and delayed and, and pulled aside by the stuff that the world throws at us. But that's not how God wants us to operate. And one of the names, the reason what we want to look at today is the name in there about counsellor. I love also the word in there, he will be called wonderful counsellor. The word there for wonderful also means a miracle, which Jesus was. And I just think that's beautiful, like Jesus, the absolute miracle, and he will be the counsellor, he will be the mighty God. He is our Prince of Peace. So I want to explore what it is that we have this counsellor that is with us through all time, through all eternity. Uh, Go back in your Bibles to Genesis 2. I want to show you, I want to talk to you about the fact that we're actually made, created to be in relationship. We've probably talked about this before, but I want to highlight it to you again because it sets us up well for understanding how God is at work in our lives and what God wants to do in us and through us and how He actually brings us into relationship with Him and longs for us to connect with Him and other people. That's a part of His government. That's how He establishes His kingdom, is by our relationships with Him and with one another. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I've got a couple of verses from 2 and 3 to holler. It says, uh, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So this is before Eve has been made. It's Adam, a whole bunch of animals, and God, all right? Now, have you ever, told me why I realised this, but the fact that Adam and God are in intimate connection and relationship, it's Adam and God, and God, creator of all the universe, father of life and lights, says it's not good for him to be alone. God himself realises there's a need in our lives for other people. If it's just me and God without communicate, communion and relationship with other people, that is actually not healthy. God's design is that we're in relationship with one another. Now, sometimes that's painful. Sometimes it's really a struggle to be in relationship with other people and to do community, but it's actually what God calls us into. It's what He's made us for. They've done surveys, they've done tests where if you have um, a prisoner in isolation and after a certain period, of day, I don't know if it's 35 or 40 days, they will border on insanity if they are left by themselves for that long. We are made to be in connection with each other. I want to highlight something here because this kind of gets used and abused a little bit. Um, further down it's in verse 20, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Sometimes that's been read and used by chauvinistic men to say, Hey, woman, you were made to be my helper. 
help me. Have you ever used that argument uh, against you, with your wives, men? Ain't nobody going to put their hand up right now. That's good. So that word, helper, this is what I want to show you. That word for helper where it says, but for Adam no suitable helper was found, that is in the Old Testament 21 times. Twice it's in these series of verses to refer to the woman. Do you know the other 19 times it refers to God or it's in a conversation about God or God being our help. Let me prove it to you. You look doubtful. I will help you. Psalm 33, you can just write that down. Psalm 33, verse 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Same word. The Lord is our help and our shield. God sees that man is alone and fashions a woman in his likeness to be the kind of help that God is otherwise. Does that make sense? So it's not that woman is made to be some kind of submissive servant that serves men the way that men want. It's actually that women, in the creation of God, become the kind of help that God is. Man is made in God's image. Women, woman is made in God's image. And together we actually help one another to reflect the kind of help that God is. And, and again, to bring about the fulfilment of his kingdom and to see the increase of his government here on earth. Because we're not made to be alone. We're not made to do life alone. And I know that even here today in this room of a couple of hundred people, some of us might feel lonely. We're not alone, but we feel lonely. And so there's a whole bunch of things that can actually get in the way of our relationship with one another. There's a whole bunch of things that can get, away, get in the way of our relationship with God, whose desire, deepest desire is that we would know Him intimately. And he would be the one that can help us. He is our help, but we don't always know him that way. He is the one that wants to come alongside and guide us and strengthen us and give us life and give us purpose, but we don't always cling to him in that way. Even when he creates another human being to actually reflect his nature and help us in that way, we don't always see it that way. And so sometimes, often maybe, we've got to come back to the Lord and say, God, there's something in the way of me being in relationship with other people. What is it? What's standing in the way of me going deeper in my relationship with you, Lord, and with other people? His desire right from the beginning is that we would be in relationship with him and with other people. And the prophecy in Isaiah is that Jesus would be born. It doesn't name Jesus per se, but we know that it is about Jesus the Christ that would come. And he would be wonderful. He would be the counsellor. And so Jesus comes and he lives his life and he actually shows us not only how to die, but how to live our lives. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And gives us this incredible example of what it is to follow him, what it is to live a life completely devoted to God and it requires us letting go of whatever it is that might actually stand in the way of that and that's different for each and every one of us but my sense in coming this morning my sense getting ready for this morning 
is that we have pain that we don't have a name for. I don't know if that makes sense. There's stuff in our lives that hurts us so much that actually we start putting up walls, we start putting up boundaries and we're like, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to get hurt like that person hurt me. And it might be last week, it might be last year, it might be 50 years ago when you were a child. And so we start putting up these walls, these boundaries and we say, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm actually going to restrict the relationship, the intimate connection that I have with other people because I don't want to get hurt. The problem is when you start putting up walls so you don't get hurt, you can't be loved. I really feel this this morning that as people are like, I was so hurt at some point in my life that I've stopped people hurting me. But to stop people hurting me, I've got to stop people loving me. I've got to stop loving people. Someone said you can only be hurt or you can only be loved to the depth that you can be hurt. And I'm sorry, I don't know who hurt you. Man, this isn't even in my notes, so this is, uh, this is what I feel like the Lord wants to do this morning. Because Jesus is the, the mighty counsellor, the Prince of Peace. And He comes and He walks with us and He calls us to walk with Him and He says, that pain, that, that weariness, that hurt that you're carrying, I've paid for that on the cross. And we're the ones that hold on to it. And right now, some of you are thinking about somebody that hurt you or some pain you have in your life and you don't know what to do with it. And Jesus comes and he says, I know you're hurting. And Jesus says, I didn't hurt you. And we can blame God, we can blame Jesus because that's easy because oh, they're not here right in front of our face right now. So we can level at God and get angry and get annoyed and get frustrated and say, man, somebody hurt me and it's God's fault because, well, that person, they loved God and they said it was in God's name and they just made it worse and worse. And people blame the church. Church didn't hurt you, people hurt you. A person hurt you. Sorry, happy Christmas, by the way. This isn't super Christmas message, is it? Oh man, I've really, I've struggled with this all week, knowing there's something deeper to be done in our hearts, in our lives. Because we hurt. And we kind of just bury it and we just squash it down. Man, I don't care if this message is just for one of us this morning, I hope and pray that it's worth it. But we bury it, we squash it down, we're like, oh, it doesn't really matter. That person hurt me ages ago. It doesn't matter. I'm all right, I'm fine. You're not fine because you're not meant to hurt. You're not meant to live a life of hurt. You're not meant to live a life of anger and pain and frustration, holding on and not forgiving somebody. Where you just aim it at somebody that's not even there. Some of us are angry with people that are dead. How's that going for you? I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crass, but I'm like, this is killing us. And we celebrate Christmas because we, everybody can gather around a baby because babies are cute most of the time, except when they're screaming their heads off and that will pass. I love the advice that we received from Andrew years ago. No baby died from crying too much. Put them in the cot, shut the door, go and have a cup of tea, talk to the Lord, 
the baby will still be there when you get back. Wise words. We love Christmas because it's Jesus, meek and mild as a baby, and he's cuddly, and we sing beautiful songs. And we get presents and we give presents and we can celebrate and maybe even just for a day we can actually forget the pain that we feel for the rest of the year. Or maybe even on Christmas Day that pain feels even more heightened and we feel even more sensitive about that pain because somebody hurt us about Christmas time or we don't actually see that person that once we loved them and they loved us but now it's neither. Can we just do this? Can we, oh Jesus help me, just close your eyes. Please, sorry, I'll remember my manners as well. Close your eyes, please. In your heart, in your spirit, I just want to say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you show me the areas in my life where I've built walls to protect myself because I got hurt? Holy Spirit, would you release healing into those areas of hurt, of pain, of anger, of frustration? We break off shame. We stand against blame. We break off guilt in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing in hearts and minds and spirits and souls in this room, in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you show me where I've hurt somebody, where I actually need to seek somebody else's forgiveness? Holy Spirit, would you show me where I need to forgive myself, extend grace to myself, receive the grace of Jesus Christ for myself? We release a spirit of forgiveness in this moment. We release a spirit of reconciliation that relationships would be restored. And if you need to forgive somebody that has died, then you can still forgive them. They might not be able to make it right, you might not be able to make it right, and it might still hurt for a while, and you might need to choose to forgive them again and again. But in this moment, you can forgive that person for the hurt, the betrayal, the broken relationship. Unforgiveness only hurts the person who isn't doing the forgiving. Jesus, would you show us the next steps that we need to take? Show me the next steps I need to take to restore this relationship. We stand against the lie that it is too late, too far gone, doesn't matter, not important. We stand against the lies of the evil one who seeks to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus, we thank you for your grace, your love and your mercy that knows no end. We thank you for your presence here this morning and what you're doing in hearts and minds. We thank you that you don't reveal pain and hurt to shame us, that you reveal it because you're the one who can do something about it. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we stand in that freedom this morning. Lord God, would you strengthen each and every one of us, especially those that need to act on this 
that if we need to forgive somebody, that we need to talk to somebody, we need to restore relationship, that you would empower us, encourage us. You would strengthen us. You would be our peace beyond understanding to do what we need to do. Thank you, God, that you are good all the time and your love endures forever. I encourage you, if the Holy Spirit revealed something to you in that moment, in that time, and you need to do something about it, then write it down. Hold yourself accountable. Talk to somebody that you know and trust to be accountable to do that. Don't just think of this as some awkward moment right before Christmas. What the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, He's empowered you to do. Amen. Hey, uh, John 16, turn to John 16. This is in a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples right before he's arrested and crucified. Uh, John, sorry, John 15, verse 26 says, When the counsellor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then 16 verse 5 following. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. This is what messes me up. Jesus is prophesied as being the counsellor from Isaiah. And Jesus comes and lives his life and does his ministry. And then... He says, no, there's another counsellor to come. But unless I go, he can't come. If I go, verse 7, I will send him to you. When he comes, the counsellor, the spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men don't believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So in a nutshell, he's Jesus with his disciples before the crucifixion, right? And he says, I have to leave so that the Holy Spirit, the counsellor, can come and be with you. Because the way that the Holy Spirit could be with the disciples and therefore us is not the same way that Jesus could be with us. But Holy Spirit, Jesus and God are all working in communion. The three in one, all working together. So it's what the Father sees, what the Father says, that is what Jesus and the Holy Spirit reveal. And then give glory to the Father for it. And so then Jesus instructs his disciples, don't leave, don't move on from Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Until you receive the Spirit from on high, you receive the counsellor who can actually reveal to you the things of the Father. And so for us as modern day believers, it's, it's a similar kind of instruction that's why we receive baptism not only in water but also in the Holy Spirit 
because it is as we are counseled, as we are guided by the Holy Spirit, that we can actually live the life that Jesus has called us to live. His Holy Spirit is the one that actually empowers us, that gives us the strength, the courage, the wisdom to live the life set before us, to live the life that Jesus calls us to live, to live the life that Jesus gave his life for us to live. And we need his wisdom, we need his his presence in our lives to completely and fully do this. The part that I love about it is that it's actually through the Holy Spirit that we testify to the goodness of the Father. You can talk about it, but with the Holy Spirit within you and speaking from you, you can actually testify to the goodness of the Father. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts other people. Do you know that? You don't save people. I don't save people. You share the message of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ and they get saved. That's not you. It's actually the work of the Holy Spirit in you, through you, to actually bring that person into relationship with the Father. So that just takes the load off right there because it's not you. It's Him. But it's through Him that other people actually get attracted to Jesus. I know it's a dangerous word to use, but it's when people see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives in my life, in your life, that's what attracts people to Jesus. It's not the nice building. It's not us as people. It's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And He's the one that guides us and comes within us and draws us into relationship with the Father. When I was in... Um, when we lived in America and I went on a trip down to Los Angeles as part of Azusa now, we were on in um, Los Angeles for eight days, and we were there in a group of 65. The whole school of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry went down, and we did street ministry in the lead-up to Azusa now, which was a one-day stadium event. And we stayed in Los Angeles, and I had no grid for where we were or what we were doing half the time, but they deemed to make me a leader for a group. So I had my own small group of five people that I led, but I was also a core group leader, which meant that I oversaw five groups of five people in a city. Like, I don't know how big Los Angeles is, um, but I've never been there before, and so I'm just along for the ride. And this is when you learn to trust in Holy Spirit and know His voice, because if you don't, you are way off. So I'm in this city leading these people, and one night I knew from a friend that there was a Gelardian espresso place around the corner from where we were staying. Now, the rules were you couldn't leave the hotel at night without permission. So I got permission from one of the interns. I'm like, hey, just a few of us want to go. So there was six of us that wanted to go for a Gelardian espresso, right? No big deal. That should be fairly straightforward. We can do this. Well, no. It's not that straightforward. So by the time we left an hour later, there was 25 of us. And I was done, like this is 10.30 at night. You know what it's like after a day at work or a day just with, a day with people and you're just like done and you've had enough and you just want to chill out with a few? No. So this group has gone from six to 25. And I'm responsible for all of them. Somehow I've become a leader because it's just, oh, can this person come? And oh, I'll just go and grab this person. I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. So I just wanted coffee and gelati with a few people. So we go, and because I'm a responsible leader, I, at some point I realised I better do a head count. That's why I know there's 25 people, because I did a head count, because I'm like, I better not lose any of those that have been given to me. So we stop, 
and do a head count. And I'm like, right, can we all stick together? Because I didn't expect all of you to come. All right? So let's all be mature adults and do this together. So we go and we're enjoying our... The place was empty. So we show up and it's an instant crowd. So this place is happy. We get our gelati and our espresso and it's delicious. And then one of the girls, Nicole, she comes and she's been having a conversation with the lady that she met on the street. And she says, oh, this lady, I can't remember what it was. She needed to be walked home or just wanted to be shown, like, because it wasn't safe. We find out later on, we're three blocks away from Skid Row. I was like, I don't know if you know what Skid Row is like. It's like massive gang territory. And we had no idea. So that's probably a good reason. So Nicole says, can I, I just want to go to this lady. Um, I think she wants to buy some groceries or just show her home. I was like, um... It's 10.30 at night. Just do the maths here with me. In Los Angeles, not my city. I don't know where I am. I know where the hotel is. I know where my coffee is. And this lady comes to me and says, oh, I just want to walk this girl home. I'm like, oh. Um, all right. So I picked the two biggest dudes in our group, Chad and Richard. And Richard is like training to be a Marine Force pilot or something. So just think army built. These two guys, bigger, more solid than me. They would rip you to shreds. I'm like, all right, Chad, Rich, you go with Nicole. So I thought that's safe because I want Nicole to be safe. I want her to be looked after. I want her to, in the context of my message, have a relationship with people that can guide her in the right way. So they go, I continue to enjoy my gelati and coffee. And five minutes later, they come back. I'm like, and she looked kind of a little bit anxious. I'm like, what happened? She said, oh, it was just one more corner and then one more corner and then one more corner and a dark doorway. So we were like, we're done. We're out. So I was like, oh, thank God for your wisdom in that. So they came back to the group and uh, all 25 of us, even though there was a couple that I would have happily bumped off along the way, but I didn't. All 25 of us made it back to the hotel at night. All this to say is that there's times in our lives we go into places that we are not sure about, especially as believers of Jesus. Simon asked the question last week, who's been baptised? Nearly everybody raises their hand. Whose life is far easier because you got baptised? Nobody raises their hand because it's not. It's just a completely different life. But this life I live as a baptised, completely sold out disciple of Jesus Christ can only be done when I'm in relationship with the counsellor, when I am in communion, when I am walking in step with him. If I get out of step with him, I know it pretty soon because things start getting really messy really quickly. You can be in a mess with the Holy Spirit and know that you are completely safe. If you're in a mess without the Holy Spirit, without the wise counsel of the Father whispering into your spirit and your soul, you're in a bad way. You're in a bad place and that's where things get really messy really quickly. And all that's to say that Jesus comes as a baby, which astounds me still. And he's born to this teenage girl that doesn't have a clue, who just says, yes, Lord, your will be done. And he grows up, this boy grows up and for 30 years grows in wisdom and in favour with God and with man. And then three and a half years in ministry with this incredible bunch of men who are fishermen and tax collectors and a thief. 
And then Jesus says, I'm out, the next guy's coming in. And then the Holy Spirit comes and overwhelms this group of 120 people that have been gathered and pursuing the heart of the Father in prayer. And then the Spirit comes and there's this mass revival in the city. And from then on, the church has grown to be what it is worldwide today. And we get to be a part of that. And still, it's the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, the counsellor that Jesus sent more than 2,000 years ago, whispering in our, in our spirit, saying, come with me, go this way, pray for that person, stop here, remember this. Aside from the Spirit, aside from Holy Spirit, aside from the work of the Lord in our lives, we can, we can do nothing. Christmas means squat. So this isn't really a Christmassy kind of message. I'm really sorry. Just, we'll fix it in a minute somehow. Um, here's my heart, that we would know the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to such an extent that if we step out of Him, step out of line with Holy Spirit, even just an iota, that we would be aware of it in our spirits. Does that make sense? That we would be, my beautiful wife, we are super connected, super loving. Our marriage is the best it's ever been, okay? To the point that if for a moment, if something isn't right between us, we know it super quickly and we know what to do to mend that. Does that make sense? All right. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what I want for each and every one of you as followers of Jesus Christ, that you're so connected with Holy Spirit that you're like, oh, I didn't actually obey the still, small voice of his whisper in that moment. I'm going to reconnect. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God, that I actually didn't listen to you in that moment and restore the relationship. This Christmas and into 2019, I don't know if you set goals for 2019, just set it for a day, set it for tomorrow, set it for today. Today, this Christmas, each and every day from here on, my heart and my prayer is, is that not only is Horsham Church of Christ, but churches in Horsham, the church in Australia would be more and more aware of the movement of the Holy Spirit in us and through us as individuals and as a community. You want to know how we do that? We pray every day, we read our Bible, and we say yes to God. All right, can you all stand up, please? Happy Christmas. Counselling will be available after the service. My goodness. Just put your hands out in front of you. Holy Spirit, come. We let go of anything that holds us back from a completely right relationship with you, with Lord. And we take a hold of everything that you want to give us in this moment. We say yes to who you are and what you want to do in us and through us. Not only today, not only at Christmas. But each and every day of our lives, that we would bring glory and honour to your name. That the world would know the wonderful love of God and that we would get to partner with you in revealing that love. Lord, I pray for an extra measure of 
strength and courage for us as a Horsham Church of Christ. That as we go about our business today and every day, that we would have a fresh determination to love people well. That we'd have a fresh determination to love ourselves well and to love ourselves as you first loved us. And this is how the world will know that we are your disciples because of how we love one another. Yes, may you know the wonders of his love. May you know the never-ending, overwhelming, incredible, immeasurable love of God. May you have a blessed and safe Christmas. We don't have a Christmas Day service. This is it. Happy Christmas. Um, Whatever you get to do on Christmas Day, celebrating it with loved ones, whatever it looks like for you, I hope that you have um, a a blessed Christmas and that you do know the wonderful love of of the Father. Thank you.